listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com.
The first one I've alluded to already is knowing my business inside out. So big organisation, I was you know, one part of it um, with a, a pretty technical project. It was, was around rolling out a new set of ATMs, smart ATMs for the banks, uh, for the bank. And um, so it, it had a lot of touch points. So I needed to know the end-to-end supply chain, internal supply chain or value chain for for my business, but also the other stakeholders' businesses. So I knew the business uh, and what each business, uh, each each part of the business, what their goals were and what what they were trying to achieve and what my role was in um, in helping them achieve that. Um, The second shortcut is having those really solid, trusting relationships with strategic stakeholders. Now, I, I always, and we've got a really great workshop that we do in a career that soars around strategic networking, how to network like a boss. Um, and I always say strategic because we can network to the bilio, but it, if it's strategic when you've got a goal and it's strategic when you know the business and you're able to link the right people together at the right time, including yourself. So my strategic stakeholders were people who were in the know, um, who who could influence outcomes for my part of the business, and that I could I could influence outcomes for their part of the business, which leads me to to point number three, which is offering to reciprocate at an appropriate time. So sure, I would pick up the phone or send a chat message and ask for a favour, and people would grant me that favour because they trusted me because I'd taken time to build the relationship, to to let them know who I was. But I, I offered to reciprocate. So thanks, Mel. I appreciate what you've done for me by loaning me that project manager for the next six weeks. Let me know when I can return the favour. And I would always return the favour in, in some way possible. And then the fourth shortcut is really being able to clearly ask for what I want but link it to what the bank's outcomes were. So the bank had uh, it had its vision, it's had its mission, but it had strategic and financial goals of which the work that I was doing was directly linked to it. So every time I asked for a favour or a shortcut or a thing or whatever it may be, it could even be, can I please have my reporting dashboard reworked 
uh, and here's why it's important because X, Y, Z and link it to the outcomes that were important to the organisation and the people in the organisation. Makes it very, very hard to say no when you're saying, hey, this is, this is important to the organisation's strategic and financial goals. So that's, they're my four shortcuts. Know your business inside out, have and build and nurture solid relationships with strategic stakeholders. Always offer to reciprocate when someone grants you a favour or whatever it may be. Um, And always ask for what you want. Have your goal linked to the business outcomes. So that's my four shortcuts. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting, and I, I say this next, um, what I'm going to say next with I don't say it with caution, but I want people to take it really to heart. In that I have never had to break free from the mindset of just doing my job and going home. I have always been someone who has been for the customer, for the business, and now why am I like that? I I, I don't really know other than the, the the forces that shaped me as I was growing as a human and growing as a professional. However, having led and mentored and coached oh, hundreds of people over the course of my career, I, I observed that mindset of, well, I'm just here to, this is a transaction. I do the work, you pay me and, and off we go. So, I, my mindset is, and, and I'm going to quote from No Ceiling, No Walls as well, um, Carly Fiorina uh, says, business is about producing results. If you're going to work for a company, then you must be prepared to embrace the objectives of that business. Now, the objectives are the outcomes and we want, we want women, we want all people, but we want women in, in specifically to lead for outcomes. And that does mean saying... For, for me, it means I am beyond, as a leader, I am beyond merely a transactional relationship here. I am 
hooking my star to the big star that I'm working for, so my brand, and I, I'm investing in that. And as a result of doing that, that mindset creates, well, mindset, we know that mindsets create thoughts and feelings. Thoughts and feelings create actions and actions have consequences. And for me in my career, my mindset was my career is important. This organisation that I work with and for is really important. I'm very much, I know the business, so I know what its goals are. I know what our mission is. I know what we're here to achieve. And I know what my role is in doing that. And even as a, you know, a frontline customer service representative on the telephones in a call centre, I know it's really important. I am the minister of first impressions when I speak to a customer. You know, it's really, it's that kind of mindset. Uh, when I worked for Telstra, you know, long, long time ago on the on the phones in, in a call centre, I was, I knew that it didn't matter how many thousands and thousands of people there were with me in Telstra, the person, the customer who spoke to me that day, when they spoke to me, they were speaking to Telstra. So I had to be, I had to have that in mind. And it's it's as simple as that. And the other part of that, Mel, is I, I knew, as we've talked about many, many times, I was ambitious, still am. I wanted to lead. I wanted to lead at the next level. Every time I got to a level, I want to lead at the next level. I want to be able to shape the direction of this company. I know we can do all of the things that we need to do, blah, 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 blah. So that mindset for me was very much, it was self-serving. Uh, and I'll say that without apology because I knew if if, if, if I behave in this way, um, here, are the, here are the actions, here are the consequences. The consequences will, I will be noticed as a leader someone who's ready to lead the company at the next level and the next level. So I feel like I've rambled on a little bit there, but um, that mindset of this is this is beyond a transaction is what sets leaders apart. Now, you and I had a little talk offline about not everyone wants to be a leader and that's, that's cool. And, and so we are very, very much targeting the women who are listening who are saying, I want to lead. I want to lead at the next level and the next level. I want to be in the position to shape the direction of this company, create outcomes for the organisation, the people, the stakeholders, the shareholders, and of course the customers. So we're talking to this this woman, and this woman knows that a transactional relationship is not is not the behaviour of a leader. The behaviour of a leader is that you are for the organisation, and I'm not talking about working sixteen hours a day and um, slavishly following whatever's whatever's going on around you. I'm talking about if this was my business, if this was my business, what what action would I take right now and how would it contribute to the outcomes that our organisation deems as important? And that's the mindset of a leader. Well, it means that you get the right things done. So if you, so getting shit done means getting the right shit done. And you, when you, when you know your business and when you know what the goals are of the organisation and what your role is in achieving those goals, that's when you can prioritise. So for folks, for women who are listening who have trouble with time management or delegation or 
just getting everything done on the to-do list. Getting shit done means or knowing your business and then getting the right shit done says going through your to-do list and saying, you know what, am I working on the right stack of work? And, and an easy way to look at that is if I've got 10 things on my task list, I have the capacity to do five today or five this week, which one of those is aligned to the goals that are important for me, for my team, for my division and for the business overall and which ones can wait? You know, there, there are a lot of different tools and matrices around, you know, important versus urgent this, that and the other, and they are all terrific. However, unless you know what it is you're here to do, unless you know the outcomes you're, you've been engaged to deliver, then you're possibly not going to be focusing on the right shit, which means you won't get shit done or you won't get the right shit done. So in terms of outcomes, let me define that. Outcomes are the direct measurable impact on the organisation's financial targets and strategic outcomes in the area of cash, growth, return and customer. So getting shit done, getting the right shit done means you know what are the outcomes that I've been engaged to deliver. And again, going back to that mindset, Mel, is that you said you said the phrase positional purpose. Positional purpose is what has the company, why has the company invested in my role? Now, if you were going to take $100,000 and invest it somewhere, whether it's the stock market, into property, Bitcoin, you know, whatever you want, you are investing that money with an expectation that you're going to get a return on that investment. And that return might be capital growth, it might be dividends, whatever it may be. Your role in your organisation is no different. Your organisational leaders have invested in your role with an expectation that there will be a return. So what is that return? And and that's that's why you've got to know your business so you can get the right shit done. Yeah, the, the relationships, well, let me go, let me take a step back because I have heard and have been given this career advice which is raise your profile and network more. You need to have coffees with important people. Now, that that's somewhat useful. No, it's not actually. It's not useful at all because it's not targeted. So... For all of you listening, if you receive the advice, incre- increase your network, improve your brand, raise your profile, blah, 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 ask why. Now, ask it of yourself or ask it of the person, who, respectfully, who's giving you that advice. And what I want you to do is think about, so what is it that I want to do here in this organisation? What are my goals? For me, in that example that we started talking about at the start my my goal was that I had a particular 
position uh, that I wanted to achieve. I had a particular salary level that I wanted to attain and I had a yearly performance rating that I had said that I was going to get um, each time I had a performance rating. And yes, there were, there were monetary uh, bonuses associated with that, but the kudos and the opportunities that came from being in a certain category of rating were, including being noted as group talent and all that kind of stuff, um, they were important to me. So I had really clear goals. and But I also had fairly less clear goals around where I wanted to go. So, and I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, Mel, around career planning, but I've been very open that I never had a particular career plan, as in that's the role that I want, by when, what have you. All I knew is I wanted to go further and further and further because I knew I wanted to be in organisations as a person who shaped strategy, not just delivered it. I wanted to be a person who set the financial goals, not just delivered on them. I wanted to be the person who was able to, you know, really look at the future and help the organisation move in that way, um, but be a part of working out where we were going to go. So for me, my networking was always very deliberate in terms of, so in the next one to two years, who who are the people that it would be helpful to know and them know me around my particular position. So because one of the things around leading at the next level is don't forget about achieving mastery in your current level. So in my my couple of roles that I was in, I knew I had to achieve mastery. And part of that mastery was making sure that that people knew <laughs> that I was achieving mastery so you know it was every all of my networking was based on my goals or or, or on my intent so I didn't just go and willy-nilly find three executive general managers to have coffee with with some random hello I've been told to catch up with you tell me about your life Um, I would book specific time with them or involve them or invite them or get myself invited into environments where I could strategically network where I could demonstrate my value to the organisation, demonstrate how I could set and execute strategy. But I would also be very, very clear that I wanted to learn from those people and get myself on their radar for all the right reasons. So that's strategic networking for me, Mel. It's got to be it's got to be aligned to what it is you want to achieve. And other than that, we can spend a hell of a lot of time networking and it's a little bit like mentoring. You can have you know, 100 coffees with 100 people and, yeah, you might get some gold out of that and I think, you know, good on people. I think there's, there's this random thing that goes around every now and then. People say, I've set a goal for 100 coffees with 100 people this year and I think, well, that's, that's cool if you've got nothing else to do but it's not targeted. Um, it's not intentional um, and, yes, you might get some gold out of there but I just – I don't want to – I want to be much more deliberate and targeted with my networking than that.
Yeah, so the you mean internally to the business, not the mindset shift? Yeah, yep, yeah, okay. I yeah, I do have lots of examples. So one of the one of the hardest hardest things to do is to give this advice to someone who's not clear about what it is they want. So even if you don't know what the role is, the next role is that you want to get to. Um, you need to start understanding how to prepare to lead at the next level. So, how does she how does she network? Okay, so there's two scenarios. One, she's really clear about the next role that she wants to to jump into, and the second scenario is very clear about moving up. Not not a hundred percent clear on what moving up looks like or where. Second scenario, a little bit harder, but but not not you know not impossible. But the first scenario is is quite easy. So first of all, I know what role I want to get into uh, internally. So how do I how do I get on the succession plan for the person, the current incumbent, and whether that's your boss, so you're looking to to jump into your boss's shoes or someone else's shoes. Uh, the very first thing is declare your intent <laughs> and say to the boss and I, I just had this conversation with well with a friend of ours on, on the weekend whose sister is and he's probably going to listen to this and go oh my god she's using my real life examples in her podcast but it's a great example of hey there's this super duper role you know legal profession super duper role I'm not sure if I should go for it and, and my advice is my stock standard advice Please put yourself if you if you're happy staying where you are for the rest of your life and you've got control over it, awesome. But if you're if you're going to want to move at some point, you want to keep achieving and advancing in your career and advances the way you want to advance, you've got to start putting yourself on the radar of the people who can make that happen. That's your strategic network, and and part of that is declaring your intent. Folks like me who are senior and you know, executives, board directors and what have you, not, we don't wake up every day thinking, I wonder who might be out there that might be ready for a move. I hate to tell you this, folks, but we just are not. Yes, we're self-centred mongrels, whatever. But what we do pay attention to are people who in their own way have said to us, to leaders, I will be ready for a move. I have identified what that's going to look like and the potential role that I want to move into what do I need to do to get ready? Here's where I think I am right now. Here's what I think it's going to take to get there. I'd love your advice on what that's going to take. So that's in the context of bosses, mentors and what have you. And then also have the conversation with your current incumbent if you can. I'm really interested in your role. 
I've put it on my career plan for a one-day role. And, you know, if, if that person's great, they'll say, what does one day mean? And you'll say, well, I'd like to get it in the next one to two years. I'd love your advice on what it took for you to get there. What do you think it's going to take for me to get there? Here's my strengths. Here's my areas of opportunity. Blah, 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 blah. So declare your intent because there are plenty of leaders who are really looking for an indication of who's ready and who's not or who wants it and who doesn't. So, yeah, I hope that's useful, Mel. Um, can Well, I would certainly say <coughs> the customers are of the position. So, uh, the cu- well, think about the supply chain. You've got suppliers, you've got the deliverer and you've got the customers. So, I, I would always look at the value chain and say, who's on the value chain for that position and how do I build a relationship with those people? Really useful to do because uh, certainly when you present yourself for um, a process around selection – if you've got the insights and the empathy for and had the conversations with suppliers and customers of your function, it puts you in a, in a really good place because you understand how each of those are important for, to deliver the outcomes, deliver the outcomes for that role. So I think that's, that's one part. Then from a, I guess, a, 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 in a different direction, who else are going to be the decision makers around that role or who else are going to be the decision makers or people who are going to have influence on your movement to wherever it is you want to go. They could be people like the organisational development folks, the HR folks, um, oh, the, you know, the boss's boss, the, the peers of the position and certainly the people that report into the position. So it, as I said, the where you're really clear about the role or type of role that you want, I think you can be very, very targeted with the ecosystem associated with that role. And that eco yeah, the ecosystem is I, I wish I could draw, but you know, there's the there's the above, the below and either side and, and then all the way around. It's a beautiful, you know, like a lovely mind map. If you've got yourself or the role in the centre, map out all of the the inputs and outputs of that role from a you know, stakeholder's perspective and say, they're the people. They're the people I need to make connections with so I can better understand their needs, unmet and otherwise, but also what it's going to take for me to be successful in that role and to be considered for it.
One hundred percent, and and doing your research uh, is well. Practice makes perfect. We we don't aim for perfection, but nothing takes the place of, of practice. And yeah, really, you, you might be surprised who the influences are as well. So I've certainly, I have certainly seen roles, processes around recruitment for roles involve the customer, and customers being uh, having a, a say. So particularly. Customers who are in you know business to business type environments where it's a, a big customer who has an account management team or you know things like that they will often be invited uh, into the process at, at some point because guess what they're a huge stakeholder less so suppliers but I, I can certainly say that from a supply perspective or supplier perspective understanding that you know the pain points and what works well and what have you but Mel I I can't get past your piece of advice if you're seeing your interview panel for the very first time on the day of your interview well number one I think you're lucky to get to interview but uh, because I I, they will have already frankly they will probably have already made up their mind at least who the shortlist is so yeah you've got to you've really got to build those relationships beforehand. And I, I want to flip it round because there might be people going, well, that's, you know, you talk about bias, Michelle, and fairness and what have you. But let's flip it around, though. As a hiring manager, what do I want to do? Do I want to take a risk on someone that I am interviewing and I'm seeing and getting to know at an interview? Let's face it, for an hour or even if you have a couple of interviews, a couple of hours. Or do I want to get the known factor so I I know someone I trust them and I respect them and I know that they have got uh, they've got evidence of a track record of accomplishments for the organization and I, I trust them because they've taken time to know me and build a relationship with me and it's beyond having coffees and what have you we've we have transacted internally uh, internal to the business or whatever it may mean so as a hiring manager, what am I going to do? Take a punt on an unknown or go for someone who's got a track record of accomplishment who I know, I trust and I respect? So, you know, hiring managers, we're not – we try to get it right, more right than wrong, but seriously, that that's – help help us. <laughs> help, help us make the, the right decision. Get to know us.
from Randall of Aldersgate says, the thing that you're talking about right here of your responsibility to set yourself up for the, you know, the best possible chance of success, right? So you have choices and responsibilities in that ascension. And then at the same time that, you know, maybe we can come back around to this in another episode, you're also bringing up this great point about the responsibility of leaders. And this type of situation highlights exactly how leaders can make a conscious effort to level the playing field for the underrepresented minority groups within a company. Are they getting exposure to the things that they need to? And that could be learning opportunities, it could be meeting the right people, all of these different things. So I think that that makes a great point as well. Yeah, for so for, for those of us or those of you listening who are the hiring manager and who are, who have achieved senior levels, there, there is, there, there is, there's a whole episode in that, Mel, but yeah, there are the, the most vocal, stepping forward, loud, confident person isn't necessarily going to be the right person for your hiring decision. But what I'd encourage leaders to do, and particularly, and, and let's, yeah, let's earmark this for another conversation, is when you start to do your succession planning, and if you haven't, you should, because it's going to be a career derailer if you don't. But if you're doing your succession planning, think beyond the, the well, think beyond the status quo, think beyond the normal, think beyond the loud, confident person, and start building relationships with different folks you might be surprised what you'll find out there in terms of talent in fact you will you will be surprised and you'll be delighted
Yeah, it's it's such a a, a good portion of the of the book. Well, the whole book's great to read, but this is a, a great portion because we do we are women have been conditioned to do a whole bunch of things and behave in a whole bunch of different ways. And networking and having a network or a web of contacts is a little bit of the antithesis of, of the way we've been taught to build relationships, strong, warm, trusting, bonds, close, regular, etc. And, you know, if we go back to get shit done, if you've got a really big network and you're bosom buddies with your really big network, that takes a lot, a lot of time. And frankly, it could take a lot of time from other people um, as well. So I want first to talk about reciprocity and my simple thing is if someone does something for me I say thank you very much and be sure and if they don't come back to me with the the reciprocity stuff I'll go I want you to make sure that you call on me for a favor anytime because I want to be able to return this favor anytime and then of course if someone says you know uh that the same to me I just say look I'm sure you do the same. So we, we've got to get into the habit of that generosity and reciprocity. And for me, generous generous or generosity is, is one of my guiding words this year. I want to be generous. And there's all sorts of different ways of being generous. And for me, sometimes it's a bit of time. It's a phone call. It's a referral. It's a connection. It can be writing a recommendation. It can be inviting someone into a career that soars and introducing them. There are so many different ways to be generous. And it, it doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it is thoughtful and it is heartfelt. In terms of the the... The weak ties, I have a really, really big network and I have no capacity to spend a lot of time with a lot of people all of the time. I simply don't. I, I, I could not do that. But what I do do is try to be very thoughtful about this generous reciprocitous, I don't even know if that's a word, reciprocal kind of relationships. So when I do contact people, um, I make sure I put it out there to say, thank you so much, please come back to me when you need a favour and, and vice versa. So uh, we, we've just got to get into the habit, a good habit of, of um, nurturing our network in different kinds of ways. And it doesn't mean that you have to have drinks, coffees, lunches, uh, a heart-to-heart chat on the phone with someone every week. And I, I know this sounds really the antithesis of what I'm even feeling a bit uncomfortable saying it Mel because it is the you know this social conditioning about the way women do stuff it just can't be done so we've got to get much much smarter about where we spend our time and how but when you do spend it with someone it can that generosity makes it really meaningful and when I say spend time it's the you know the way you answer an email sending a text responding to someone's request asking for something, returning a favour, whatever it may be, but it doesn't have to be all day, every day, you know. I hope that's that's useful.
Yeah, exactly. And and if you if you say to people, This is what my this is what I'm doing over the next three months, it would be really useful if then people go, oh, Cool, I can do that. So when people come to me and say, you know, I've had a couple of instances where people have said, launching a new product, going on got a new brand on social media, it would be really useful if you could reshare or like or post on our behalf. I go, excellent very very happy to do that because that's a really simple thing to do give me a shout out on social media like my com- comments on linkedin um you know respond to respond yes i'm running an event and i can't come but respond anyway say i really wish you the best of luck for your event i can't make it but best of luck yeah there are just so many simple generous things that we can do to stay on the radar of people in, in our in our ecosystem of contacts of in our network um ecosystem but be considered as that that trustworthy, respectful person. So, you know, there's just so many different ways and and frankly, technology makes it so much easier these days. I think you can you can send a quick email, you can send a text, you can do something on social media just to let people know, hey, really value in my network, great to see you, love what you've just said, blah, 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 whatever it may be. Really simple ways to do it. Yep. Yeah. So for those of you who have done your positional purpose statement exercise, you will know this already. But so a result, let's talk about customer. 
So a result for a customer is I got a net promoter score of X for NPS this month. Now that's a result. An outcome for a continuing good result for NPS is that we've acquired more customers and reduced the loss of customers because the outcome for the organisation is we, we have more customers. So that, that's a very quick definition. So you've got a result in the month and then the outcome is we've got more customers, which of course contribute to that lovely cash growth return and customer virtuous circle. In terms of career, I, I want women to start thinking about how they articulate what it is they do for the organisation, which of course means you understand what the outcomes are that the organisation deems as important. Then you understand what your role is in achieving that and then back to our getting shit done, you can actually start getting the right shit done. So if your role is in, and I'll look, I'll use my own history. So I, I'm a I'm a contract director, I'm an account manager. So my results might be, you know, that we got all invoices paid on time, that the customer's happy this month, they've given us a good rating and, oh God, what else were some of my KPIs, you know, some of my call centre KPIs, whatever it may be. Now, those are results but what I was doing was being really clear about the outcome for the organisation is that we retain this customer and we grow our relationship with the customer, i.e. the customer stays with us, they give us more work and we grow our organisation as a result. We grow our staff, we grow the revenue that we book and we grow the profit that we that we post and we sustain that. So we achieve and sustain over a period of time. So Yes, I can have my results every month. You know, I've got great grade of service. I've got customer satisfaction rates of X, Y, Z. But the outcome for the organisation is that our customer is very, very happy. And they, because they trust us now, they are awarding us more work, which means our organisation is growing and achieving our growth goals. Now, as a result, what does that come back to me as the contract manager or the account manager? What am I doing every single day, week and month in terms of my planning of my activities, in terms of my get shit done? Am I doing some internal paperwork and you know, fiddle-farting around on you know, goodness knows what? Or, okay, customer is the outcome. The customer is the goal here. What am I doing to surprise and delight my customer on an ongoing basis every day? What, what activities must I do today? this week and this month to ensure that I achieve those results which are going to lead to the outcomes, customer growth. And if it's not in, if it doesn't relate to that and I've got too much on my task list, guess what goes? The stuff that's not related to my customer growth goals, the organisation's customer growth goals. So could I go and spend some time doing a Oh, I shouldn't say a first aid course, but or should I go to the customer's town hall where I'll have an opportunity to meet the managing director? No, I'm going to go to the town hall to meet the managing director of my customer. And that's how you prioritise and that's how you get the right shit done. So you've got to know, you've got to know what the outcomes are that your organisation deems as important and then relate it to your own role and then start saying, what is this thing, this list of things in front of me? Which one of them, you know, do all of them or none of them or some of them relate 
to the organisational goals that I'm responsible for delivering. That's it from my perspective. Yeah, but but saying no, sometimes you've got to say no to important people. And one of the lessons I learned, and and many of you who have been listening along will will know about one of my very early um, influences in my career, Steve, who was a great boss and mentor. But man, he would give me a lot of work to do because guess what? I would do it. But I got some advice after I'd, frankly, uh, had a very wobbly period in my life and my career And this person said, Michelle, you just need to say, Steve, I have the capacity to do three things. You've given me five. I can't decide which ones need to to drop off. You need to tell me which two don't get done. And then because if you're not sure, then you're saying to your boss, I really want to do the right thing here. You tell me which three are done and which two can can be carved off to the side. And that's a great way of saying no. Absolutely. And and for bosses as well, one of my great frustrations is is not so much anymore, but um, you know, in, in my executive career, I'd I'd walk into meeting rooms and there'd be a, an army of people there. I'd go, Really? Do we really all need to be here? And I'd just I'd mentally go around the table and add up all the wages and say, Okay, so there's a million dollars worth of wages sitting around this table. Is that really needed to get a decision or to do is this meeting could this meeting have been an email really so you know I uh, meetings and and the phrases oh I'm in back-to-back meetings it's one of my triggers to go really who's in control of your diary sure I know when you're at the start of your career and when you're reporting to other people and you don't have as much autonomy as I did when I'm recounting these situations, you just go, you got, you've got to put this on the radar of someone and say, okay, so have a look at my calendar for the week. I am really struggling to see how I can get any work done when I'm in meetings back to back. That's, that is the definition of insanity. So help me, boss. Help me prioritise which ones I go to and where I do my deep work. Because this is bonkers. If if and and so bosses be alert for that. Um, if she's running around looking a little bit like a headless chook, a headless hen, chicken, please have a a career coaching conversation about prioritizing time. And if she's she's unsure how to do it, help her, please.
It is indeed, Mel. Thank you. Awesome as always.